As all of you know, we are in a time of prayer and fasting, and today I just kind of want to give you a devotional, if you will, which means nothing. I'm going to try not to preach long. I don't know what, even what that means, but I want you to go to James chapter 5 and 1 Kings 17. James chapter 5, and you know, um, I, I think God wants to really teach us some things about prayer. I think we have some wrong ideas and wrong concepts about prayer. And I, I think maybe there's some people, uh, you know, you're, you, you hear prayer and you're like, you know, most people, you know, maybe even some teenagers, you think boring. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, God is not boring. People are boring. Some of the things that we put our hands to, that's boring. But, but God's not boring. God is, is, is amazing, and I want us to learn some things about prayer. Now, uh, the reason why, now, there may be some people in here, you struggle with prayer, and you're like, oh, I tried that before. So we spoke a message last week about prayers that prevail. That means prayers that actually get answered, that, you, that help you to overcome, that actually go to work in situations. And I want to just kind of take you to a, a, a very very key passage that will help us to really unpack one of the most overlooked ingredients in an impactful prayer life. And so I want to share with you uh, really this devotional message called Prayer That Partners. Prayer that partners. Let's go to James chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13 uh, today. You know, I know a lot of you are thinking, I wonder if he has a joke for me today. I have. I have some. I have some. I have one, really. I didn't even tell it in first service. Uh, I, I, since you're asking. Since you're asking. So, <laughs> What has five toes that's not your foot? My foot. Okay, all right. All right, that's enough of that. All right. See, I, that's the way I get you really hungry for the word of God, okay? All right. James chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. Now, we're going to cover a few verses today, and I'm just going to walk you through devotionally, all right? We're going to read the Bible together. We're in a reading plan as a church. You can find that on the Bible app. You can join in with us. We're going to read the whole Bible together this year. So grateful for the 150 of you who are right now reading the Word together, talking about the Word together. There are more of you even outside of that community. I love what God is doing in the area of the Word. So I'm just going to take you in a little Bible study today on James chapter 5, so we can learn how to partner with God in prayer. Check this out. This is a great passage on prayer. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Now, uh, by the way, this is the easy time to pray, pray, right? I mean, when you're suffering, when you're in pain, when you're sick, 
Oh, it's easy to pray then. It's and like suddenly your prayer life goes from near zero to like 100%, right? Man, if you ever feel like a flu bug coming on, I mean, suddenly you become the intercessor of intercessors. Lord, whatever, God, angels, Jesus, anybody, help me right now before this thing comes upon me. The thing I have, Job 3, the thing I have feared the most has come upon me. You know, you're like, oh, I don't want to be sick. And suddenly you're praying. Why? Because, you know, it's easy to pray from the place of pain. It says, but if any one of you is suffering, let him pray. What's the lesson to learn here? When you're suffering, you? When you're suffering, you? Now listen, that's not the only time you pray. But when you're suffering, you pray. I better say what you're not supposed to. When you're suffering, don't drink. When you're suffering, don't post about it on Facebook. When you're suffering, don't look for other crutches. When you are suffering, it is time to find an audience in heaven. Time to pray. Now, goes on to say, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Here's what you need to understand about the psalms. Psalms many times are prayers in song. Read the psalms. So many of them, while some are declarative, many of them are vertical in nature. They are simply prayers in song. So when you're happy, man, when you are overcoming, when you are, you know, you are on Main Street at the magic kingdom of life, and your castle is right before you, and things are lining up as they should. By the way, if you're at the magic kingdom, they're not lining up the way they should terrible place. Anyways, if you're cheerful, you, Uh uh-oh. If you're cheerful, you what? Your prayers. Sing your prayers. By the, by the way, I didn't mention this. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, what's my conclusion then? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. That's talking about in tongues, by the way, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that way that you get help. I will sing with the Spirit. What is that? That is singing a prayer language. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's amazing. So when you're cheerful, you need to pray, but do it in song. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Boy, I got to tell you, this is a really good one. If you are sick, what the Bible says is you need to isolate for 10 days. Stick a swab in your nose. No, that's not what it says, does it? It's not what it says. Yeah, I said sick and all of you started coughing. (laughs) No, we're not afraid. We're not afraid. When you are sick, 
you need to think, I need prayer, but I not only need to learn how to be healed in private, I need to learn that there is provision of healing within the body of Christ. That when I get something that is coming against me, I don't need to think to myself, I'm just a private person. I'm not going to share my stuff. That would break my own HIPAA laws. <laughs> no! It says this, you call on the elders of the church. You don't think to yourself, well, I don't want to bother the pastor. I don't want, they got a lot of stuff going on. Listen, if we will do what the word says, then we will get the results the word promises. That's why every Wednesday morning, we have a healing service right here. Most of you are like, what? Every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., daily prayer. You can tune in online. You got to work, that's fine. Just turn on healing. Let it go through your office. Let it go through your school. Let it, let it fill your life. You send in the prayer request, we'll pray for you online. You know why? Because the scripture says in Psalm 107 that God sent his word and healed them. There's no distance in time with God. We can pray, but I've got to tell you, there does come a time where if you came to church limping, you don't think, oh, well, this limp is just my lot, pastor. No, get down in front and say to yourself, pastor, I don't care if it's Quaker State, olive oil, lube me up. There's a healing coming my way in Jesus' name. I'm going to find some believers here this morning. And by the way, for those who say, well, you know, I probably deserve this sickness. It's in the same sentence. And if they've committed any sins, they'll be forgiven. By the way, which does suggest sometimes sickness is connected to sin. Sometimes. Boy, but you would have have to bump your head to think all sickness is because of sin. No, it's not. No, it's not. We're in a fallen world. We're in a fallen world. So it's not us to go on some necessarily some investigation. But believe me, when you are feeling the pain and you feel that sickness and that thing, and you come to somebody, and they're anointing you with oil, you know what? It is time to do business in the physical and the spiritual. It says if they've done anything, if they've committed any sins, they will be forgiven. All they got to do is what? Confess. We got to keep going here. says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Confess your trespasses one to another. Why? So that you can pray for one another so that you may be healed. Listen. Listen carefully. Here is a verse for everybody who says... Well, I can be a Christian and not go to church, not be in a local fellowship. I'm just going to tell you, that may be true, but there's about 37 New Testament commands. There's no way for you to obey apart from community. Let me just say it this way. Imagine a well of healing waiting on you to get into fellowship with the people God's called you to run with. 
and taking down the mask. You know what we do in these large gatherings, right? Everybody comes in, we put on the best clothes, you know, you know, we're all we're all looking good and showered, well, most of us anyway, you know, and we're we we come and and we're we're ready for this moment and we shake hands and we look like we've got it all together, and yet uh, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. None of us have it all together. We are who we are by the grace of Almighty God. We would be, I, I mean, we would be so much worse if it wasn't for Jesus. The only victory we have is because of his spirit alive and working in us. That's the only reason that we have anything, any ability to stand. So what, take comfort in the fact that you are among broken people who are still overcoming, who are still applying the word, who still have to stand, who say, I feel the pressure, but I'm not giving in to the pressure because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and you might need to get around somebody else who says I'm going to see the power of God heal you of your struggle but it only happens when you confess now right after this service there's a whole lot of life groups you need to find your well of healing connected to the people God's called you to connect with you cannot do this kingdom business on your own and I love what it says it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer. The effective, that's energetic, active. And then it says fervent, red hot. Red hot. When's the last time your prayer life got loud? When's the last time you let the fire, the fire of God so start to touch your life that you pray with some passion? That's what this says. See, you see, you don't have to go very far in the community and dare to pray prayers in the community. God, give me a heart for campuses. And just start to walk on the campus and see the condition that's going on with teenagers and young people right now and what they're up against. Walk for about five minutes and say, God, give me your heart for what you want to do in this place. And suddenly a burden will come. And if you'll carry that holy burden to the place of prayer, suddenly you'll find a fervency begin to boil in your spirit until answers come through your life. I love what uh, uh, Pat, uh, Reverend Hagen used to say a lot. It says, when it says avails much, it means this, that the righteous, that fervent, effective prayer of the righteous, it makes a lot of God's power available. I, I, I aim to, to spur you on in this time of prayer and fasting. We're dedicating this time to the Lord. We have daily prayer every day. We have a special prayer meeting this Wednesday night at Liberty Park. Why are we going to Liberty Park? Here's why. We're going to be standing in the place declaring freedom over this whole county. We're going to be praying. Why in the world would you do that? Here's why. Because free people, free people. And God wants to set us into liberty. But how do we do that? We partner with him in prayer. Now, all of that was free. Here's the message. Last two verses. 
says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Such a strange transition. He is saying, pray, sing and pray, 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 pray. And then brings up Elijah. It's interesting what God does here through James. After all, if you were to go back through the Old Testament, you would find many times where people received answers to prayer. Women received the children they so longed for, and God filled barren wombs of Hannah and others because they cried out to God. There, there could have been a long list of those who had seen answers to prayer, but God specifically chose Elijah. It bears this question, why? It could be that God wants to teach us something about prayer. About what it means to partner with God in prayer. First, here's what you need to see. Here in this passage, God connects the prophetic and prayer. Now listen, if you're not from a... a, a from like a charismatic or a Pentecostal background, I'm going to say it to you this way, uh, just so that you, you, you grab hold of this. Um, Elijah was a prophet, which very simply defined, is a very simple definition. He was a man who heard God and declared what he said in word and deed. Elijah heard God. That's, that was the role of the Old Testament. To hear God... By the way, you cannot be a prophet if you don't hear God. Let's come into a New Testament reality. We'll just fast forward, by the way. All of us in the New Testament church, did you know that there is a word about you in the Bible? Acts chapter 2 says, in the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit on all flesh. And if you're born again, you're called a son or daughter. And it says, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Y'all are like, man, I just, I'm just, I would settle for in the last days, God will pour out my spirit and I'll get to church on time. No, 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 no. It says they shall prophesy. Listen carefully. That is not simply preaching. That says in the last day, God's people will hear his voice and say what he's saying in word and deed. And here God connects the office of one who hears to the theater of prayer. I want you to think about this for, the second, for, for just a moment. How much time in prayer have you spent listening? Because here, God says it is intimately connected to a prayer life that moves things and changes things. So God connects here a, an ear to hear him and prayer. 
You say, oh man, well pastor, that's, I struggle. I know, I know. The question I've gotten most over 23 years of being here full time, both from young people and adults is, pastor, how do I hear God? He goes, you're telling me stories of hearing God and what it's like. And we have classes that, that we do in small group times. And we try to empower people through that class called Ears to Hear. It's not this time, but next time. And we'll, we'll be, we, we want more of you to recognize the voice of God. But you've got to come to terms with this verse, John chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus said this. He said, my sheep hear my voice. People come to me and say, Pastor, I can't hear God. The first question I ask them is, are you born again? Have you been born of God's spirit? Have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? It's a real question. Because that's the qualifier. My sheep hear my voice. I love this. I know them and they follow me. What does that mean they follow me? Is that just the person? No, it means they follow the voice. You see, the shepherd from which Jesus was referring was not one who drove the sheep from the back of the flock. This shepherd leads the sheep from the front with his voice. And I want you to, that in this time of prayer and fasting, that it could be that, that maybe in other seasons you have experienced much frustration in prayer because we have simply not connected what God is saying to what we are praying. We have to connect what he is saying to what we are praying. And, and by the way, just in case you're wondering where to start, there are 66 books that you could open that book and find prayers and find application anywhere in the scriptures where you can begin to pray what God has said. And when you pray God's will, you get results. You could also go to the apostolic prayers. Look for those prayers that the apostles prayed for the early church and by the way if you pray early church prayers we will once again see early church power and by the way it's easy easy to let pain guide us in prayer easy we got some area of deficiency and we just, we let pain guide our prayers. But I got news for you. God wants to lead your prayers. Did you know that? He wants to lead your prayers. And I love how God, he just tells it like it is. By the way, he's not, he doesn't play patty cake. Romans chapter 8, I love what, you, you just got to look at this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Some of you are frustrated in your prayer life because you're like, I don't know what to pray. That's exactly what God said. He's saying, I want to lead your prayer life. I, the Holy Spirit wants to lead your prayer life. 
He says, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which can't be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. By the way, you might think, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit somewhere out there is making uh, intercession over me, the will of God. No, no, no. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and there are times where you're praying from the place of pain, and the Holy Spirit's going, Dad, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. They're just praying from pain. Aren't you glad that God hears you in your pain? That many times in his mercy, he answers in pain. But sometimes we experience pain because our longings are fixed to the wrong things. I've mentioned this before, but there was a prophetic song written by Garth Brooks. He said, I thank God for unanswered prayers because he saw how crazy that woman was that he didn't end up with. That he prayed for. He was in pain. Oh, I want her. And God, Holy Spirit. No. No. Mm -mm. God, don't listen to that. Sometimes we pray wrong prayers from the place of pain. And God says, listen, I want to connect the prophetic. I want to connect you hearing me. Let me lead your prayer life. Let me be the one that tells you how to pray. And by the way, the Holy Spirit will pray through you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a second thought. This is really just, we're, we're just cruising through here. Prayers that partner with God set the atmosphere for the work of God. Now, this is talking about Elijah. So we have to understand, first, he prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. So listen, God told him, pray that it doesn't rain for three and a half years. That's an interesting prayer. Why? Because Elijah was not praying according to his will because that prayer would bring him pain. He's going to pray the atmosphere change, not because he wants the atmosphere to change, but because God is doing something and setting the stage for something that he didn't understand. Now, in 1 Kings 17 and 18, you can see this whole story begin to unfold. And what we find, what we find in James is, a, is, a, is the private explanation of a very public ministry. That means Elijah had this public ministry to, to kings. And he, he tells him, you go and tell the people. He says, prophesy this. Just go and tell them. It will not rain. There will be no more rain. And Elijah said, and it won't rain again until I say so. Boy, that's confidence. How could he confidently say that? Well, James tells us why. God spoke to him something. Elijah prayed about it in private, and then God used him in public to change the atmosphere. 
Now, by the way, here's how I know this was not a comfortable prayer. God said, hey, God, I want you to get down to the brook of Cherith. And we'll skip down to uh, first, uh, first Kings 17, 8. He's there. He's being, uh, it's supernatural provision. It's dry all around him. He's experiencing the atmosphere shift, which is actually making things uncomfortable for him. Why? Because it says, and it happened after a while, the brook dried up because there had been no rain on the land. So here we see Elijah negatively impacted by the prayers he prayed. Listen. He is praying not for his own comfort. I wonder in this season of prayer and fasting, have we been praying uncomfortable prayers? I wonder if we won't take God's invitation up to pray prayers in partnership with him that change the atmosphere so people will encounter him. Prayers like this, God, I pray for my enemies. I pray for my abuser. I pray for my betrayer. I pray for my ex that they would be blessed and that they would come into relationship with you. God, I pray that you would do something great in them. I pray you would bless them. Ooh. Y'all were good when it was just prophesying to the air, but man, this rubber meets a road moment. Y'all are looking at me strange. See, we have to be led by God. That's why God says, he says, don't get mad. Don't, get, don't try to get even. When people say all manner of evil against you falsely, he says this, rejoice. Rejoice, he says. And you get into the place of prayer and you pray the way God leads you to pray. You declare God's goodness over them. You declare what God's plan is and say, God, whatever you have to do, you say, why would you pray that way? Why did Elijah pray that way? It was the condition of his nation. Why would you dare to pray today a prayer that says, God, come and shake everything that can be shaken? First, it's because of the word of God and the condition of our nation. Why would Elijah pray that it wouldn't rain? All he knew was God was changing the atmosphere. Why? Because there was an evil king named Ahab who had married himself to idols, to Baal and Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth was a fertility god. There was all kind of perversion that was growing in the land. After all, Ahab does the worst thing on the planet and marries a woman named Jezebel. He marries Jezebel. Who isn't just a queen from history, but a spirit that shows up in the last day, who right now is wreaking havoc across America to the tune of like 20% of a young generation is in sexual confusion. The reason isn't because of a political agenda, but a demonic spirit called Jezebel, which is sweeping the land. Let me tell you, church, the antidote to Jezebel is a people who hears God and fervently praise so the atmosphere could shift God wants to shift the atmosphere because there's a showdown at Carmel coming there's a showdown at Carmel coming there comes a moment where God says I'm going to send rain but before I do I'm going to deal with this idolatry I'm going to deal with my people being half-hearted halfway in the world and halfway in the church and, and this is they, 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 they sort of follow me and Elijah comes that day and says, after hearing God saying, I'm going to change everything. He says, but, 
Lord, I know what needs to happen before. He goes, get those false prophets at Mount Carmel. They'll, they'll try to call down fire. Nothing will happen. And that day, fire fell from heaven. And the false prophets were slain. Idolatry fell in that moment. You see, three and a half years of no rain set a moment where God was going to turn the hearts of the nation back to him. We need more people who will pray what God says to pray. By the way, we're not praying damnation on people. That's witchcraft. We're praying the blessing and plan of God. The redemption of mankind. The goodness of God to be fully realized. People responding to Jesus. By the way, in case you're wondering... Prayers, praying our will leads to a frustrated prayer life. You'll be much, much happier praying God's will. James 4, 3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. People have frustrated prayer lives is because it's been connected to our wills, not his. And if we will once again be the church that dares to say, God, you set my prayer agenda. I'm going to bring to you my pain. I'm going to bring to you my need. I'm going to bring to you my petition, my supplication. I'm going to bring that to you. You told me to. But I'm going to let you Holy Spirit lead. I'm going to let you word of God determine the way that I pray in this life. You will begin to lead a more impactful prayer life. Let me give you this last idea because we only have one moment left. Prayers that partner with God embrace this truth. Prophetic prayer brings refreshing so that we can produce. Verse 18 says, he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. That's such a short statement for what actually happened in 1 Kings 18. God says, you go tell Ahab. Ahab's been trying to kill Elijah. He now has to confront the one who wants him dead. It's a moment where he has to overcome fear. It's a moment where he has to overcome self-serving. It's a, it's a moment where he has to overcome wanting to protect himself. By the way, if you ever want to be a person that is used fruitfully for, the, for God's kingdom, you're going to have to overcome fear. You're going to have to overcome all of the self-serving things that come natural in your life, and you're going to have to step out in faith that God will meet you. When he says, go and speak, you go and speak. And he found an audience that day with Ahab, and I love what he did. He said, Ahab, you better get ready. The drought's over. Rain's coming. Rain's coming. But then what did Elijah do? He had the word of the Lord. Rain's coming. God spoke it. Rain's coming. He prayed. Wait a minute. Church? If God spoke it, you know, our tendency is to think, well, if God said it, it's going to come to pass. You should read your Bible. When God speaks, he brings men and women along to pray into his will until it comes to bear on the land. And so that's what he did. He bends a knee 
Matter of fact, he puts his head between his knees. It's a very descriptive language. What happens? He prays and he sends his servant out. Hey, go check the sky. This is a perfect beach day, Elijah. Not a cloud in the sky. Two times, three times, four times, five times. He's got God's promise that it's going to rain. He prays five times and nothing. And this is when most people pick up the phone and say, I need to complain to pastor because he told me that if I were to pray God's will, it would come to pass. I don't control the timing. All I can say is I can position you rightly till you get the breakthrough. And here's how you do it. You keep praying six times, and then it hit the seventh time. He said, go check again. And he says, well, I think I see the cloud about the size of a man's hand. Elijah got up. That's enough for me. A cloud the size of, do you know how big the clouds are? I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. He says, servant, you go tell Ahab, if he doesn't mount up on that chariot now, the rain will overtake him. The rain is coming. I got to tell you, when you start to see an inkling of what God has promised will come to pass, when you said, man, my prayers are going to shift the atmosphere. I got to tell you, when I started seeing God move on campuses, I didn't need to see the hundreds initially. I just would see the one or the two. I would go into a classroom and wait during lunch. It was the most awkward things. I would be on these campuses and there would be just a few kids, but then I would see hearts make decisions in classrooms over trays. And I'm like, oh, it's on now. The revival you promised God was coming to a young generation. Oh, it looks like the size of a man's hand. Oh, but you better mount up because there's rain coming. You better run into your purpose and get positioned. I am here to announce to you, church, it's time to partner with God in prayer. We're done with just praying our will. We're going to pray his will until the atmosphere of this region changes and we see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. Your kingdom come. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Glory to God.